0: Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another installment of Innovation Crush. It's me, Chris Denson, your gracious host, uh, coming at you once again live from the SAE Institute in Los Angeles, the School of Audio Engineering. Um, Thank you for joining us, Anne Hand. Thank you for having me. Uh, you have a fun name to say, Ann Hannah. <laughs> it is a funny one. Uh, in case you guys are tuning in for the first time ever, this show covers all things innovation, ideas, creativity, and smart people doing smart things. Uh, so welcome. Thank you for stopping by my Pleasure, you excited?
1: Absolutely, it's Friday.
0: <laughs> it is Friday, that's the best day to record, I think. have just had some drinks and uh called it an a early happy hour. <laughs> um, although you probably can't talk about that because, um, Super League, tell us a little bit about you and Super League, and uh, give us the 92nd version of, oh. of your world so far.
1: Oh, gosh, so yeah, so Super League launched about two and a half years ago. The idea was with the explosion of esports and all of this very smart money seeing the huge opportunity at the professional level um, isn't it time for an amateur league system kind of inevitable that you would need a feeder system for the pro level of, of esports. and equally too there's 2.6 billion gamers out there that would love to have some kind of competitive rec league around the games they love to get a an added human touch dimension and teamwork dimension to what they love
0: um, tell us about at least in, in this current stage um, how that actualizes, you know, what, is the, what, what does this uh, amateur league look like?
1: Yeah, great question. We started out with Minecraft, which is a 6- to 14-year-old game, kind of good for kids. You're learning about STEM-based learning, so think Little League. Uh, in the early days, we've been historically using movie theaters as our playing field. You know why? Because they're empty a lot, and um, they as well just create a great AV experience with the big screen and the thunderous sound. Um, We then moved into an older game, League of Legends. Uh, So uh, kind of the crown jewel of esports, so to speak, and now run much more heightened competitions with older players um, who really are people who are moving up the rankings of league and really want to show their chops and physical live environments that they have what it takes to to make it to a pro team. The other really cool thing we've done in the last few months is we've introduced a city layer to it. So we pride ourselves with the fact that we're the first ever city-based esports league. So we now have 12 cities across the United States, so uh, we are the owners and operators of teams like the L.A. Shockwaves, the Chicago Force, the Dallas Dynamite, the Miami Menace, the Boston Revolt, and so on. And these are unifying gaming clubs for which all the different games that we start to bring physical leagues around will, will join and, and kind of represent their hometown in city-v-city city battles. So on any given day, we can have uh, a ton of kids in, in L.A., going head-to-head against a ton of kids in Chicago. Um, And as we move into the older game products, it's the same. We even have right now a father who plays on our League of Legends um, L.A. Shockwaves team, and his daughter, uh, his six-year-old daughter, plays on our, our League of Legends, or our Minecraft, I should say, L.A. Shockwaves team. So it's pretty cool to see how families game together now and that gaming is not something people grow out of.
0: That's interesting, because and I still think, and congratulations, all that stuff is uh, like amazing. um and I you know I, I spent some time working for machinima for a couple mm-hmm. of years, so I know the space uh, to to some to, to some extent, not as much as as you do. but You know there's always this gamer stigma that stands out like it's a fat kid in the the basement on his mom's couch and never gets off um what have you learned about the gamer right that person that individual that you guys touch every day
1: you know that is probably the 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 biggest thing that has impacted me and it's interesting when i first went to uh, the first few events when i was deciding to jump in and and work at super league I was kind of blown away by the reaction of the kids and the parents and how much they saw that we were bringing a real positive permissible um you know benefit to gaming but the the biggest insight i've had over the last six months as i've gone out you know we've run now over 1800 events across the u.s um, And I've realized something about myself, about how much a year or so ago I, as well, was almost playing into that stigma a bit. You know, we talk about players being disconnected and, oh, isn't this great? We're bringing friendship and teamwork to them. Well, the truth is about the gamers that we've had the real opportunity to meet is that it is a hugely diverse audience. And I don't mean diverse in the the gender or ethnicity traditional lines. I'm talking about personality Mm. diversity, um, game style diversity. they are multifaceted, hugely successful people. And and it's really helped me start to change some of my own language around the fact that Super League's role, I think, is really to start to debunk a lot of that. Um, you know, tons of stats are out there that, you know, gamers um, have higher college graduation rates than traditional sports fans, um, higher average household incomes. Um, and when you go to a Super League event, you can feel it. You can feel the richness of the fabric of people that we're bringing together. and so. So I feel that's a really a big core part of the brand is we're here to celebrate the everyday mainstream gamer and shine a, a much brighter light on really how great they are it's so much less about a super league and so much more about how it's a platform for them
0: that's that's fantastic and uh, you know I, I love the fact that you kind of tapped into a psychography and a broad one at that it's like all right th- th- there is a broad diaspora of who this individual is um you know, have you have you guys as a, as a company uh, gotten into sort of the cognitive results of gaming, especially since you're dealing with kids? And, mm-hmm. you know, if I'm a parent, I'm, I'm even <laughs> as much as I do know, I have a 12 year old girl. And I'm like, oh, less screen time. Like, be careful. And I, granted, there's there should be some of that. But what have you learned about the cognitive results and benefits of, you know, teamwork in a gaming environment?
1: Absolutely. So the first thing out of the gate, you know, and I I don't want to pretend for a minute that this was a grand design, but to start with Minecraft, which is increasingly used for STEM-based learning in schools, you know, one that parents and teachers really get behind. Then to be so fortunate to have our partnership with Riot around League of Legends, which you know, there's now over 30 universities that offer esports scholarships, and and the lion's share of those are around league because it is a game that has so many layers of strategic and critical thinking. That's funny. Um,
0: That's a relatively new thing because I know it was what two, maybe two or three years ago that I think Northwestern was one of the first schools to offer a gamer scholarship, yeah. and then uh, the I mean the, the and number now it's just over
1: missing. 30, right? Yeah, UC Irvine, Robert Morris University. There's a lot of schools that were real pioneers in that space, and um, and so now, you know, it's like now the benefits of these games and the way that it really does lead to greater outcomes, more career paths is starting to really um, be accepted. And then you add the human touch layer of Super League. You know, I always kind of, as a joke, say internally to the team, look, I can hit a tennis ball against a garage door all day long and learn tennis, but I, you don't really get into character building until you join a team. And so for us, you know, when you start to take all of these great things that get developed in games and you add that human touch and that teamwork perspective that we can bring, um, we really feel like we are making a huge difference in you know, the potential outcomes for folks. And the other uh, great thing that we've learned a lot from Riot along the way is just the fact that when you know the people you're playing with in real life, there's less to- less toxicity in the game. And also, the more you know the people you're playing with in real life, even if you're playing at home online, you start to just know each other better. So the more that you can um, have those real life experiences with each other, the more you will advance your skills faster. And we already have anecdotal proof of that. So we have a great team of silver League of Legends players that came together as members of the Chicago force. They had never met prior. I love the name for um, some
0: reason. It's <laughs> the Chicago, force. Chicago <laughs>
1: force. We love that one. And um, and they won our first season of City Champs back in November. In fact, they just won the second season as well. So they are a little dynasty is starting to form with the Chicago force. But this silver team that met um, has now entered different online competitions and recently built a diamond, beat a diamond team. And we also have some anecdotal proof that people are actually um, progressing through the rankings of League of Legends faster because of this physical component, not only because you learn more from each other, but also because you've got each other's backs, because you're friends.
0: And uh, you're, no, you're no psychology doctor. No. <laughs> you have a, a, but I play one on TV. <laughs> and you play against one on TV. Are you guys going to be on TV at any time soon? I would like that. Right. There's
1: some pretty rich content.
0: Well, speaking of which, so look, I was going to back up the, uh, you are not a doctor, but historically, I mean, your resume kind of speaks volumes in in a, in a bunch of non-related <laughs> <laughs> industries. Couldn't Gas be. and oil with BP, McDonald's, closely related, but not quite. Yeah. Um, and, and Project Frog and your like real estate developments. Um, uh, tell us a little bit about your checkered past and how you ended up <laughs> like yeah. making game time for for
1: kids. I know. It is it is crazy. In fact, in the early days, I I had a lot of people say to me, like, "What what is this mess of a career? And, <laughs> and even sometimes I had to kind of sit and look at it and wonder the same. But, you know, I did kind of a classic thing you did 25 years ago out of university. The goal was to go work for a big company. And so I went and I worked for Mobile Oil and Um, Just kind of worked my way through the rankings. Stopped a little bit at McDonald's Corporation for a while, learning about how to build and operate fast food restaurants. But a lot of time in B2B and B2C businesses. Um, Very fortunate at the end that I spent about half my career internationally between Hong Kong and London. Got to run some global businesses. Um, you know, that was kind of the that was kind of winning and making it back then. Yeah. And um I was about twenty years in and I met some venture capitalists who said, Hey, you know, did you ever think about trying an early stage company? Your your personality type kind of fits. You know, even though you look on paper like an old school or, you know, kind of large company gal, I always ran very flat teams. Um really kind of believe in pushing down decision-making um, very scrappy i'm from the midwest so i think there's something inherently you kind of can't get out of me that mm-hmm. way and it's interesting you my, see my I, so. I do yeah. and um <laughs> and my uh dad was an entrepreneur and in some ways it's funny that i have three sisters and two went into banking and one into academia and i went into energy so i guess probably playing into type we went the other way, right? If you grow up in an entrepreneur's household, you all go for stable, stable right, jobs. Right. But I think they were, they were right. There's something in me that likes that scrappiness. And so um, I had worked a lot in clean tech, and that seemed like, you know, kind of green energy and renewables. And so that was an easy entry point for me because it was something that I had a lot of deep experience with. Um, ran a, a company up in the Bay Area for about five years. But my home is here in L.A., so I was commuting. And all of a sudden, the whole L.A. venture um you know, world exploded. Yeah, you know, all of a sudden, LA was was really becoming a really relevant city in uh, the conversation, and so just started to meet some different investors and and the board members at Super League kept saying this is perfect for you. And my first reaction was. No, not at all. I mean, I'd certainly hung out at the arcade growing up. I <laughs> right. very proudly tell my team members Your that... Your experience was low. Uh, <laughs> well, but I can take any of them down in Galaga or Centipede. Oh, like, oh, hey, yeah.
0: exactly. If you got a trackball, yeah. you're exactly, good. Exactly,
1: exactly. But... I did at first kind of question my own um, kind of relevance to the space. And you know, what I found is it's classic for all kind of marketing. It's not about what I do, it's about deeply understanding. Uh, the customer that we're serving does and and partnering with like you know Microsoft who owns My- Minecraft and Riot you know that's so core to who they are is is player first and so um i just kind of leapt off and went for it and frankly going to events talking to the gamers talking to the parents in the, in the case of the Minecraft product i really identified with how much this was resonating With people and it was meaningful for them and so uh, i must say that the biggest fear i had was because um, i'm not a league of legends player you know i i really thought to myself can i do what i need to do and um for super league and i will say the the reception that super league has gotten from the game publishers and all the wider people in the gaming ecosystem has really been impressive it's just it's just a super collegial atmosphere. And I know that's not what people consistently um, think or speculate about the video gaming space. But it, it's completely counter, you know, to everything that I've experienced. It's been wonderful.
0: Well, it's also a very, like, close-knit and hard-to-penetrate community. Yes. Um, and here you are, a woman. And, you know, and a suit, if you will. Like, mm-hmm. how did you... Um, did you find that you had to change people's perceptions about you, especially from a business development, per, you know, perspective, like going into rooms with real gamers and, and you know, saying, "Hey, I'm going to really change your life."
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it's a great question because it's it's so spot on. It's all the the things that were going through my mind in those early months, and and really, what I found was people really appreciated what um, I could bring to the table. I think because esports is so nascent. Um, And I think because they do, it is an industry that maybe has always been a little kind of um, hard to understand or a little elusive maybe to some people who were looking from the outside in. I think that they like the fact that it's inevitable that there's going to have to be people from other industries who come in and who have different insights to bring or different learnings to bring, because this is huge and it's going to get even, you know, way bigger than it is now. And I think that takes a village a bit and it takes a a group of a lot of us from different perspectives. And also, these games are exploding in a way that I think even makes a game publisher say... I, you know, I'm looking now at a business on a whole different level than right. just being just, you know, simply a, a, a publisher of a game. I'm now a commissioner of a sports league. I'm I'm operating on so many dimensions that I think their their acceptance of people from the outside has been has been strong.
0: Um, I think some of the resistance, whether it's you know resistance you placed on yourself or resistance yep. you may have or gotten into, gotten from the community in the beginning um you mentioned the word fear right um how how does Anne hand deal with fear
1: oh my gosh that's pretty deep sorry it, um, you know it's okay
0: haven't listened to the show yet have you <laughs> um you know it's a lot of been a lot of tears I, have been shed on I think. The oh table. i like
1: that no i think that you know i'm in my mid-40s i have um I've been delighted with the fact that when certain things haven't gone my way in life, personally and professionally, I now have a pretty good toolkit. And um, I kind of have a, a good amount of confidence that if I kind of stay calm, confident, and determined, a, a path will emerge. It may not be always pretty or fun, but there's a point to it. and um, And I think that the same thing is kind of just keep going back in every day and also You know, I now know a lot more about who I am and what I stand for my value set. And I have a really strong belief, uh, perhaps completely flawed, that if you stay really true to yourself and you're very transparent about what you're good at and not, that people will will be kind. And and um, and I did feel that way with the publishers. I never tried to pretend. That I knew their game better than they did, right. or um, that I I had any unique you know special knowledge about it, and I think they appreciated that honesty. But I did have a lot of points of view about things that I could um, bring to their community that would be very um, fun and additive to this beautiful game they've made. And. Right. And, and again, a lot of this is just listening. I mean, they came to us because they knew they know their community better than anybody. So they know there's a reason why Super League makes sense for their community. So a lot of it is just listening to them and then really taking it very seriously about what we've been entrusted with. And I think that's something that's universal, whether you're in, you know, the gaming industry or the energy industry is really um, teaching the team about the respect for strategic partnerships and what that means, because I think people often think those things are just purely commercial, but really big partner deals happen because there's a relationship that's formed and there is a lot of trust. And when something doesn't go well, you know, the being the first to throw the flag up and say, we didn't do as well as we could have, but we care enough that we don't want to hide this from you. We want to Put this, put this out there and tell you how we're going to fix it.
0: Right. right. No, and, 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 I, and I, I think that it, again, speaks to, like, how people handle fear. Because I think, you know, I just went through a, a situation in the last couple of days where a project was starting to tank. And we were like, all right, full transparency client, here's what's happening and they were like we're going to need mojitos after this and yes. so it was it, everything that I thought like you know you go in thinking they're going to hate this we better fix it immediately and go but no like a, a true partnership even if it is a client you know vendor or whatever relationship it is it is a partnership we're in this absolutely. together absolutely and it.
1: even with your bosses i mean being the first to say i could have done a way better job on this project i'm disappointed that you know, we, we just had a great review. But let me tell you the three things that I, I that are keeping me up at night. There's power in speaking your truth and owning it. And those are the kinds of things that, you know, as I just said, they're, they're kind of universal. Those right. are just life lessons. And you want to do that same thing in your personal relationships as well. So um, I think that's the way that we've been able to get as far as we have is because I think we've walked into the rooms with these really big titan companies with, that have these killer games and communities, and I think we've um, created a real kind of feeling of trust and, and respect and kindness.
0: Now, I'm going to be honest with you. Super League is not like a rocket science idea. It's not. Um, Like, why is it working and why didn't anyone do it before? What happened? Was the timing right? What was the the kind of gumbo that went into making this the time to have a Super League?
1: No, it's a great question. I love your point because in a way, it was almost the simplicity of it that made me question it at the start. You know, it was just a little too obvious, right? You know,
0: well, yeah, well, when it's, it's a
1: little league. Let's use movies. Empty yeah, like it was a couple of years Who ago when I first that? came
0: across the Super League and the person that told me about it was like, it's like Little League for gamers. And I was like, I, I was almost mad at myself for not having <laughs> thought of it. Like it is one of those kind of ideas. Yeah. Like, ah, man, like that's that's brilliant. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, there. but, but
1: it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's totally true. I mean, look. I think there's been some interesting inflection points. When I first joined, it was all about, as you say, Little League for Gamers. And it still is that in many ways. But the beautiful technology platform that we have developed is a true kind of end-to-end tournament system. And it's a matchmaking system. You can now find people of your level um, in locally, which is a really hard thing to do. To find people, you know, in your hometown that you can play with who are of your same ranking. Um, this kind of highly fragmented gaming community is looking for ways to connect. Um, and bond around games they love. And that's what's been missing is that hyper-local focus. So we start with leagues. We happen to use theaters. But frankly, um, the platform's been built in a way that we're really agnostic to venues. So, you know, somebody can run a Super League system in their schools. So you can see us starting to move into interscholastic opportunities. We just recently partnered with a great land center in Chicago, one of our Midwestern fellow towns. (laughs) And uh, so that they could kind of pull... Um, a bit of a lock-in around one of our tournaments. So we really see ourselves as an enabler of um, ways for um, all the stakeholders of the local gaming system to find ways to come together and kind of, um, look, the city The city team thing for me is another place where like my heart kind of skips a beat a little bit because right. what I've been so fascinated by, you know, I, I played a lot of traditional sports um, you know, when it's March Madness time, I'm definitely going for all of my Big Ten, you know, favorite teams. And and uh, I didn't know how gamers would take to, to the city-based, um, you know, kind of logos and, and, and jerseys and all of that. And and their reaction was no different than the way that I feel about all the teams that I That's love. That's typical. And what it really shows you is it's inherent in all of us. This This basic human desire to represent and root for our our hometown is even bigger than maybe the game. That we love, and what's cool t- for me about that is it means that Super League has an opportunity to actually start to be a bit of journey makers for you. You know, we're giving you new journeys to uh, play League of Legends or Minecraft in new ways. Now you can play as part of a larger team, and you can be a part of fighting and defending your city. Um, maybe we we create a journey for you that's a path to the pros, and that's pretty pretty cool. But we're also a part of your life as you move. Through other games. So you grow out of Minecraft at some point and you move into League of Legends or other great games. We have an opportunity for it to kind of stick with you through that journey. And I think that that's pretty meaningful what we've started. So, you know, it started as uh, little leagues and empty movie theaters, but to me, it's become. So much more meaningful on the, the 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 human growth kind of individual development side. This way we're creating a, a real sense of belonging and bringing like a glory of pursuit that kind of the everyday gamer yeah. hasn't had.
0: Well, that you know, it's funny you mentioned that because when I was at Machinima, that was the, one of the like I always look for like goosebump moments when yeah. I'm starting to work with the company. And they started just talking about like this was a home for a, a community that really didn't have a hub they really you know there was like one up there were a couple of like publications but we want to celebrate you gaming community and yes there's other similar networks but the arts community has been celebrated forever right Mm -hmm. if you're a basketball player great if you're gamers like there was no really there was no real place for you and and there's still only a few so uh kudos to that I, i just had a thought while we were while you were talking um and your dad being an entrepreneur and you kind of going a more traditional career route what kind of looking back did you pick up from your childhood or from your dad that you're doing now or that you're kind of seeing kind of blossom? in the Yeah,
1: it, it's funny because being uh, one of four girls, but being the youngest, you know, I remember little moments of like getting the the baseball and the baseball bat under the Christmas tree. You know, there were and <clears throat> he always said like, you know, he, you know, girls worship their dads. And so there was definitely, you know, much love for for all things dad. But I I think somewhere, even without him prompting it, I kind of wanted to to have a career for him or to be able to have those types of conversations with him. And I do remember um, a conversation probably around like 10, 11, 12 years old, where he prompted um, a chat at the dinner table about like, what, what hasn't been invented? What would you invent? And I'm pretty certain, although I have not had this checked out with anybody at Procter & Gamble, but I think I came up with the flip-top cap for toothpaste (laughs) at that table um, because I was so grossed out at how messy screwing on a toothpaste cap was back then. Um, But there was also a moment where I told him that I wanted to be the president of IBM. And when I went off to college um my parents moved me in the dorm and there was a letter that i found under my pillow after they had left me my first night and he reminded me that i was going to be the president of ibm and when i called him my senior of college and i told him i got a job with mobile oil jokingly he said but what about ibm (laughs) and the truth is i had interviewed with ibm and they rejected me so i never made it past the first interview but i think somewhere deep inside i was definitely always um, always worked in his businesses growing up and always loved that entrepreneurial creative spirit and also had that real drive to kind of just have fun making him proud and to have that um, opportunity to talk about work with him. And I still call him up and tell him about fundraising or what we're doing now. I will say this is the first job I've done where I really have struggled to uh, um, help my father get it. So you, <laughs> this is that little generational moment where when I try to explain that gaming isn't something you grow out of anymore, that it's it's much like golf. You right. know, he's had a relationship with golf his whole life. Even if he wasn't always playing golf because he had little kids or couldn't afford to, it's still something that he watches on TV. Maybe he does on a vacation. and And I've tried to help him see gaming that way. And he's still kind of... Tilts his head and looks at me funny,
0: but, <laughs> like, you know. but he trusts my instincts. So. <laughs> yeah, you, you don't know. Maybe not IBM. Well, <laughs> you, you'll get there. Um, but speaking of brands, right, uh, uh, that's, and that's a, a wonderful. Like, I love your dad already. Um, <laughs> I hope he can be my dad one day. Um, no, but just like working with brands, I think when you go into the game, like one of the words that comes to mind for me is authenticity. And mm. I, that gets, the work is thrown all over marketing all the time. Ten. But I feel like in gaming, it's, it's real. Um, so what kind of brands have you worked with, especially because you're working with like a a vast number of ages, you know, age ranges and there's rules and regulations, but also products and services that belong there and want to be there, et cetera, et cetera. How do you like, um, traverse the brand ecosystem when it comes to partners?
1: It's a great question because in the early days, because we were so nervous about the authenticity thing, almost, I would say over indexing on it. And, and now with, The closer that I've been to it, realizing we shouldn't be afraid if it's um, if it's if there's meaningful engagement um, and storylines, if there's real benefits from a, a membership point of view to gamers, we shouldn't be afraid of being a marketing channel for brands that matter to our players and trust that that they will see that messaging and those benefits. And so. That has now become our lens. Is you know wh- why why would this make the experience that we're offering better? And if we can answer that question, then um, we feel we feel good about bringing the right brand partner deals together. But certainly in the early days, we weren't chasing brands because of authenticity concerns. And also, frankly, I mean we didn't have much reach. It's like if you looked at us on a rate card, you'd say, oh, you know, two thousand players. That's worth. Twenty dollars, you know. It's not <laughs> right. like, it's not like a traditional marketer would see that um, value that way. But what we knew was that we were creating really unique experiences, and this is definitely a world where experiences matter most. And these are deep engagement experiences. You know, you're there for three hours. You're a team. You're playing together in ways that you can't play when you're when you're back at home playing online. And so. Um, Out of the gate from the Minecraft brand, yes, because it's a younger audience, we have to be very careful. We did receive an investment from Nickelodeon in our last round. Um, That was one where right out of the gate you could just feel it, that they were as protective about the experience and the players as we felt. Um, Nickelodeon is all about fun. It's about getting slimed and having Mm -hmm. a good time. and, And there's just so much about what their brand stands for that felt like if we brought them into Super League experience, it would only make it more fun for the kids. So we could just see how much richer our experiences could be with a partnership like that. Um, similarly, we just recently did uh, a, a bit of a, a partner deal with AMD around our League of Legends play. And the reason was is that we often at our city events, when you can imagine we now have, you know, tons of players in a theater taking on You know another city in real time these are serious battles and we've got you know these are these are level 30 players they're serious we had even like master and challenger level level players in the game and can you imagine if your laptop blew up in the middle of these two hours (laughs) right um and so amd it was a big operational thing we needed to solve for we needed a fleet of high-end gaming laptops that would be there on reserve for gamers so that we wouldn't you know if any hardware failure occurred that you know whether it be the Chicago Force or the Boston Revolt that right. that player could get back into something the game like a pit
0: team, in yeah. NASCAR. <laughs> exactly,
1: exactly. And so um, that seemed like a no brainer to us. Like that would that was really something that directly benefited the player. So, and you know we're not slapping logos everywhere. This isn't a NASCAR car. where these are you know meaningful integrations that actually make make the whole event better.
0: Um. Uh. So, gaming is very tangential to technology, mm-hmm. um, especially with AR and VR and RR. I just made that one up. Um, <laughs> but I, I should have just left it and confused the audience. we are like, oh, we gotta Google that. I don't know. RR. I was thinking the same thing <laughs> railroads. It's, it's what seals like. RR. RR. <laughs> Um, so let's move it. Let's move on. Um, how have you seen that come up in your world? Like, are you doing VR oriented challenges? Are you working with the Oculuses of the world? Or are you kind of just keeping it like grassroots, brass tacks? You know, purist. Um, where are you going with, with
1: it's the funny? Right? It's we definitely had moments where we kind of started kind of following little conversations here and there on the VR front and other kind of advanced technologies, and then always seemed to come back to the the brass tax as you say They're, you know we're so fortunate to have two of the biggest games in the world we'll be announcing some other great games um, in the next few months like that what? Well, I can't tell you <laughs> but they're but they're great and you know and keeping with, with the company we already have right because that's important too and. Um, And I think we feel there's just enough that we can do around this existing game library that we have and the the next few that we can grow into. I know that um, VR will play a role at some point. Um, I think for us, we've just got plenty to do that we can kind of wait and see how kind of things shake out in that space.
0: Um, What does gaming practice look like? gaming practice yeah if you have teams right and how do you show up and you're like all right let's uh all right let's let's do some drills (laughs) actually it's it's interesting
1: so we 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 just started to play with that a little bit. So when we launched this this last season of City Champs, the original night was a bit of a meet-up and practice night. So you came into the theater, you got your jersey, you kind of found out what teams you were on, got to know people, and then you did. we did do a little bit of practice play. But what you'll see us doing in 2018 is a much more thoughtful season that um, does steal a little bit from other sports, but really thinking about preseason. Um, training um, camps, uh, seasons themselves, post-season, you know, kind of analogies to like all-stars, um, you know, and combines and things mm-hmm. like that. So we'll start to run for both products and future products more of a holistic season so a spring and a fall that stretches over a course of several weeks some of those types of things happen online so we can reach a much wider audience we we did that with the last season that we just completed of city champs with the lull product where we actually first invited um, anybody who wanted to play on the online qualifiers to be a part of about a four-day binge tournament online and then the best of the best got invited to the physical live event uh, to represent their city. So you'll see us start to stretch these seasons and, and start to have ways to reach a bigger audience, start to create a bit of fandom and viewership around these events, and also um, having a more of a postseason so we can really find and graduate those very best players and, and hopefully start to show off their, their talent so that they uh, you know, get a little bit of um, access or, or line of sight to the pros.
0: Um, Have you heard of uh, Andy Walsh, the good Dr. Andy Walsh? Yes. Okay. All right. i just going to make a recommendation. I like it. No, he's done a lot of, like, super cool cognitive studies of traditional athletes and gamers (laughs) and, like, kind of cross-pollinated, you know, different skill sets from the physical to the cognitive, and it's it's pretty cool.
1: Well, yeah, and, I mean, some of the, the, you know, stuff about studying the best um, eSports pro players and the way that they're kind of – Visually tracking, you know, like five to six steps ahead the right. same way LeBron would like it's 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 fascinating how many parallels I, I will say the in the early days, um, you know, I really so wanted to apply a traditional sports motif to super league and i resisted because i felt i didn't know the customer well enough yet and i was so nervous about cramming something onto that gamer audience that would they'd really reject um because i i thought that while there were some parallels to traditional sports there were less than more of them and i i would say for the most part Almost everything has been the same. In fact, there's only, you know, when I think about things like, you know, right now, if you're, um, You know, um, recruiting for Team Liquid, you can find great players online of, you know, Dota 2 or what have you. But, you know, until you see them in a physical live event experience, until you see how coachable they are, what a good team player they are, how they can handle, you know, the intensity of the live event, you're never going to quite know if they have what it takes at the pro level. You know, things that are very similar to the fact that I could probably like make a basket standing on your driveway, but like I would not have a hope and a prayer of like dribbling being yelled at in the middle of Staples Center. It, <laughs> right, you know? right. And so, so many of the parallels are the same. The only thing that I have found that isn't the same uh, between the two is, you know, it it never would occur to me to walk down the street from my house, uh, walk into a YMCA and watch a lot of random guys I've never met in my life, like, play a pickup basketball game. And yet, you know, the the fact that, you know, so much of the viewing of Twitch is actually players learning from people of similar levels Um, but i think that really speaks to the fact that that there is this thirst for learning and how to advance your skills and right now the way that that is met is through these online experiences and i think super league starts to really have a cool way to um, show what can happen in physical environments when you bring in skills training and coaching Uh,
0: we've talked about a lot um (laughs) uh you know as you've seen oil and gas and hamburgers and houses and gamers and cognitive studies and all these things um what is your current innovation crush what do you see that's out there that's giving you goosebumps in your in your own industry somewhere else out in the world um something that's just kind of like oh my gosh i wish i had been a part of that
1: Oh, I think I'm in it. I mean, not to be, uh, you know, too uh, tried about it. But, you know, we talked about this at the start, how timing is everything. Um, I'll be honest, my last startup, I think was about five years too early. And it's hard to, um, to, to swallow that pill when you're in it, because you know, you're doing good and making a difference. And I feel like, This is the magic of the space we're in right now with with esports. is um, everywhere I go, I ask super smart people who are in and around it. Do you think our timing's off? Do you think our time? Are we two years too early? Are we one year too early? And I just can't find anybody who disagrees with the fact that we are creating something. We know it's going to be huge. Um, It's not a question of if, it's when. Um, But um, I think there are some pretty magical things that are going to happen in the next 24 months in esports. And I'm I feel really um, bullish that that Super League will be at the hub of of some of those big, those big moves. Which
0: leads me to one one last question um, is, you know. In a lot of these industries, when somebody else does it well, a bunch of other ones pop up, right? I think that's even the problem with VR. I think, you know, one person made a headset in the system, and then everybody else was like, we're going to make our own. That's why
1: I wanted to shake out before we jump in. Right, right. right.
0: And and so I think, like, how do you have a game plan on staying ahead of would-be competitors?
1: It's a great question because absolutely that kind of fast follower is the thing you're the most afraid of, right? Because to your point... Um, you know, about midway through when you said, why didn't I think of it? It's almost too simple. And so there is a feeling I've always had of looking, you know, behind my shoulder a bit. So far we haven't, haven't seen anybody come into the space, but I think really it's going to come down to really powerful partnerships. I think that, you know, when we talk about, you know, we like uh, there's a lot of great um coaching um skill um progression companies out there like Ready Up and Gamer Sensei, you know, partnerships with people like that. Um, partnerships with great Minecraft servers that have really, you know, interesting audiences they can bring to Super League. Um, We feel that we have an opportunity to obviously for the game publishers bring a new dimension to their games and a new experience for their players. But equally, we look to the whole ecosystem of everyone in this space and say, what is the What's the magical group of us that if we stand together and lock arms, we can really have a dominant position? Yeah,
0: that's great. There's a um, uh, Jamin Shively, who was an early guest on the show, uh, number four at Microsoft and Mm -hmm. then started his own cannabis company. Uh, Go figure out how those things, (laughs) marry? Computers and cannabis. Exactly. Uh, He said the best way to um, lead a parade is to find one and get in front of it. So... It looks like that's that's what you guys have done. Well said. Uh, The very last thing. Complete this phrase for me. Innovation to me is.
1: A good idea with a fantastic culture and some smart people who don't give
0: up. And well, well said by you, too. Thank you. Uh, thank you. How can people find more about Super League? How can they find you? Do you want to be found? Absolutely. Uh. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. I invite people to connect with me on LinkedIn and uh, go to superleague.com, register your gamer profile and tell us what city and game uh, you'd like us to bring next to the family.
0: And what were those games you said you were bringing again? I can't tell you. <laughs> nice try, though. That <laughs> no, was pretty good. Uh, everyone, this has been another installment of Innovation Crush, and we will talk to you next time.